This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Man, all right, go ahead, grab a seat. Hey, good morning, New Life. It's so good to be with you this morning. We haven't had a chance to meet yet. My name is Kevin. I'm one of the pastors here at New Life, and it is my privilege to guide us for the next 35 minutes or so. And I do want to say, if you're a guest with us this morning, an extra special welcome to you. I would love to meet you after service, get to hear your story a little bit. So after the morning's over, I'm going to make my way out to Guest Central. I'd love for you just to stop by on your way out the doors. We have a little guest gift bag for you, and I would just love to say hello, get to get to talk with you for a second. So please grab me after service. It'd just be very fun to touch base with you. Uh, boy, there are... On a pretty regular basis, uh, there are times when I get into our community and I am just so thankful to be counted among you. Uh, and this week has been no exception with the fires happening over and over again on Facebook, uh, on, in the newspaper. I just keep catching new lifers doing what Jesus followers do, which is loving the people of our community. Uh, caring for, serving, engaging with people who are hurting and many who are homeless at this point. And I just want to say, way to go, New Life. It has been so fun to watch you guys just step up without having to do any major concerted effort as a church saying, we're all going to do this. You just heard from God and so many. I probably saw 30 or 40 different people. You just went and served and loved and you're continuing to do it. And I just want to say thank you guys for everything you're doing. Uh, as people are getting back into homes or getting back onto property where homes used to be, there is still much need. And so if you go to our Facebook page after service, I've given three drop-off locations where you can still drop off supplies. Uh, the address is there, contact information is there, and then the things that they're looking for in terms of supplies. So if you'd like to continue the efforts on serving uh, our neighbors, you can go ahead and do that. Well, go ahead and grab inside your program two things to help you on this journey. One is this card that says start here. It's our, it's our connection card. And if you're new with us, it's simply a way for you to stay connected to us and the things we're doing in our church and in the city and around the world. It's a helpful way for us to stay connected to you because our prayer would be that the more you come to new life and engage with this community, that you would want to take some next steps with God. And when you want to take those next steps, boy, we want to be the church that partners with you to do that. And so this card just helps us stay connected. So if you put your name on this, and if you're a guest with us, your email address, you don't have to do anything with this after that, but if I've earned your trust over the next 35 minutes, we're going to pass some baskets. I just ask you to drop this card in the basket when it comes around. We will be using these a little bit later, so you're going to want to have it filled out. The other thing you want are our teaching notes. They've got the Bible verses we're looking at, some fill in the blanks, and ways for us to take some next steps this week. So go ahead and get your teaching notes out as well. I was thinking about nursery rhymes, and it's it's just amazing to me that things that we learned 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago— at early stages in life, uh, we just recall them. We remember them. And I want to see if this holds true. It was definitely true first service. Help me finish off this nursery rhyme. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. It's, it's amazing how that, that sticks in our heads so many years later. And, and it's catchy and it rhymes. But friends, it is not at all true. Not at all true. Uh, if it was accurately stated, it would sound something like this. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will shape my life. The words that I say to others will shape my life, and for sure the words that other people say to us shapes our lives. Isn't it amazing that our tongues are so small, and yet they are one of the most powerful 
body parts that we have. We're in week three, uh, or week, week two of a three-week mini-series uh, in the midst of a larger series that we're calling Weird. And in this three-week mini-series, we're talking about the power of our words. And I decided to go for three weeks because words are so powerful. The things we say have so much influence on relationships, on the way that we understand ourselves, on the way that we interact with other people. And here's, here's why I, I'm really pressing into this. Because as we look at the Bible, God would actually say, and you may or may not agree with this yet, but I just want you to stick with me. God would actually say that our words aren't ultimately about our words at all. That our words actually speak to something that's going on much deeper inside of us. God would say that we all have different levels of filters between the things that we think and what's going on inside and the words that come out. Some of you are really good at at controlling your words. Others of you are like me, and we just say everything we think all the time. But ultimately, our words, he would say, are a reflection of something deeper. In fact, Jesus put it this way in Luke chapter 6, beginning in verse 45. Jesus said, a good man brings good things out of the good that's stored up in his heart. An evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in their heart. And then Jesus connects it to our words. He says, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Jesus would say that what comes out of our mouth is actually an expression of what's going on at the core of who we are. And we're tempted to think that we say things based on relationship. If any of you have been married for longer than about two weeks, you have said things that you didn't say before you got married. And, and we're tempted to think, well, that's because she doesn't listen to me. That's because he, he doesn't do what I say. That's because they don't, and we, we blame the other person. But in reality... Marriage is just a different context for us to explore what's going on internally and have it just come out externally. And marriage, for many of us, and it should be this way, is the closest relationship we have. Therefore, in that relationship, whatever's deepest inside of us tends to come out. So Jesus says words, as powerful as they are, they're not ultimately just these things we say. They actually reveal and in some cases betray something much, much deeper. And in this series called Weird, we're looking at the wisdom of God from an Old Testament book of the Bible called Proverbs. It was written by a guy named Solomon who wrote primarily to his son. And here's what he was doing when he wrote this book. He wanted his son to get it right this time. He didn't want him to have to make mistakes and learn from those mistakes and get it right next time. He said, son, if you listen to my wisdom, you can get it right the first time. And in the time that Solomon wrote, it was very straightforward, very common sense wisdom, which is why when we look at these verses, he just lays it out. He says, this is what you do and this is what you will get. But if we look at the world around us, this common sense wisdom has become very uncommon in the world we live in, and specifically as it pertains to our words. And so last week we said two things. If we want to have uh, language that helps us get it right this time, we said this, you need to let your words be few. And it was so funny. I had multiple people come up to me last week and say, I'm so glad you talked about letting my words be few because my spouse or my kids or a coworker said this to me. And I just kept repeating, let your words be few, let your words be few. Some of them were honest 
They said, I just kept repeating, shut up, shut up, (laughs) shut up. Let your words be few and let your words be true. That as Jesus followers and just as people who want to get the most out of life, we want to be 100% truthful in everything we say. Because a good name comes from from ruthless honesty, from being totally true all the time. And today I want to talk about this topic. Solomon would say this, if you want to get the most out of your life, let your words be gentle. Be gentle. The dictionary defines gentle as not severe, not rough, not violent. And when we, when we talk about language, gentle isn't generally the, the thing that we we think about. Because gentleness doesn't just have to do with the words we say, it has to do with the way in which we say them. And, and I want to talk to the manly men in this room, um, because I'm one of you. I like to think of myself as one of you. Um, I, yeah, that happened first service too. That is disappointing. You should let your laughter be few. Manly men, manly men. When we think about words and language, gentle is not our primary thought process. How can I be gentle? But can I say this? Gentleness in speech is one of the manliest characteristics that they are. And we're going to dive into that a little bit later. So, so manly men, just don't tune me out. That's all I'm asking because I've talked to so many guys, and I know this is true for women as well, but so many guys and our biggest regrets in how we interacted with our, our kids or with our spouse or with a direct report at work had to do with the fact that we were not gentle in our speech. We wouldn't say it that way, but we just, we lacked a gentleness in our speech. This idea of gentleness is so important if we want to get life Right. And here's what Solomon says about gentleness in Proverbs 15, verse 1. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stir up anger. Have you ever been around a group of people and tension is just building and building and building, and then one person in the group gives a gentle answer to an attack, and all of a sudden, everyone kind of powers down? He says, a gentle answer turns away wrath, decompresses the situation, but harsh words stir up anger. Proverbs 15, 4, a soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. Many of us have been in situations where we said something in either our tone or our words, and we watched someone crumble in front of us. Why? Because our words were harsh and not gentle. How about this one in chapter 16, verse 21? The wise heart will be called discerning, and gracious words promote instructions. Mom and dad, do you want your kids to listen to what you say? Solomon says, if you do, if if you are, you know, normal, and you want your kids to listen to you, he says, gentle speech promotes instruction. If you lead an organization and you want your direct reports to listen to you, gentle speech promotes instruction. And finally, Proverbs twenty two eleven says, one who loves with a pure heart and who speaks with grace, that's another idea of gentleness, speaks with grace, will have a king for a friend. And here's what I'm going to ask us to do today. Because Jesus says that the words that come out are actually an overflow of our heart, at various points throughout the day, I'm just going to ask us to put the dipstick into our lives and see where our heart is. And, and if, 
uh, we put the dipstick in and realize, well, my words are actually showing that my heart's in a great place. That is fantastic. And if we put the dipstick in and realize, wow, my words are betraying something that I don't really like. I just want to tell you, God loves you and God delights. He delights in transforming our hearts, in changing us from the inside out, like we just sung about, so that our words and our hearts would be joyful. It would be a great thing. So here, it's time to put the dipstick in. When you walk into a room and your kids are at each other's throats, they're fighting, they've been throwing punches. It is angry. You can feel the tension. When you walk into the room, mom and dad, do you escalate the situation or do you calm the situation? Harsh words escalate. Gentle words calm. When you're at work, around the table, and there's a discussion happening, and all of a sudden, emotions start to get really high. Someone says something, you can tell the other person's going to fire back, and emotions get high. Do you escalate, or do you soften the situation? When your spouse or your housemate is really upset with you, I mean really upset, or your brother or your sister, do you escalate the situation? Or drop it down. Just do a a little dipstick. Because whatever's coming out of here, Jesus says, it's an indicator of what's going on in, in here. And none of us wants to live that way. Because here's what we all know. If we respond with harsh words, angry words, incendiary words, severe words, the outcome is 100% predictable. Tempers will flare. Accusations will fly. Someone will throw a verbal hand grenade over at you. You'll get into your bunker and you'll throw a verbal hand grenade back. And all of a sudden, everybody's blowing up and there's shrapnel everywhere. Every time, that's what happens when tempers flare. Most of us have been there. In the book of James, James says it's it's like a small spark that ignites a forest fire. Some of you are saying, I haven't just been there. I don't visit. I live there. Listen, that's normal. That's normal. Tempers are flaring. Someone throws something at you, you throw something back. That is absolutely normal. But remember, we're trying to get weird in this series because normal isn't working. And none of us wants average. We don't want those types of relationships. We want to have relationships that build each other up, that drop tension down. And that's why gentle words are so important. And they're especially important in positions where we wield power. Here's what I mean. If your five-year-old says to you, mommy, I don't like you very much. It it doesn't destroy us, right? If it does, we got to work through some things, okay? Why? Because your five-year-old doesn't hold the power in that relationship. But if you look at your five-year-old and you say, I don't like you very much, you know what, you might as well just start putting money away every month for counseling because it's coming. Because you're devastated them. Why? Because moms and dads, we hold the power in the relationship. That's why our kids can say things to us. that It's like, oh, that is just disgusting coming out of your mouth. But if we said it back to them, it would destroy them. Why? We hold all the power, all the power in those relationships. In your marriage, if you hold the power in your marriage, you're just a more powerful force. This could be the husband. It could be the wife. You're just a more powerful force. Your spouse who has less power could actually say some hurtful things, but they don't hurt quite as much. 
And then you say the exact same thing back to them, and you watch them wither in front of you. Why? Because the more power we hold in a relationship, the more important it is to be gentle with our words. If you're a a boss, a, a CEO, a leader of a company, people below you can say things, and and while you don't like it, it's not going to destroy you. You're not going to cry in your Wheaties the next morning. But if you get into a boardroom with some direct reports and you throw harsh words at them, you can destroy them. Because the more power we have in a relationship, the more important it is that we're gentle with our language. I think that's why Paul, who wrote the majority of the New Testament, speaks about power with our kids. And this is what he says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. He's talking to dads because dads at that time held all the power. Men in Jesus' time and in Paul's time held all the power in relationships. And he says, dads, don't exasperate your children. Don't say things that are going to destroy your children. Uh, don't, don't do things that are going to cause your children to feel like they are less than. Don't exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord's. We could say it this way because both parents hold power in relationships these days. Mom and dad, he's not saying don't discipline our kids. He's just saying let's be very careful with the words and the tone that we choose. Because we might just think, you know what, I'm exhausted after a long day and they've been bickering all day. And we turn around and we shout something in the car to them. But we hold all the power and our words have the power to devastate them. So he's saying, be careful about the power that you hold. Choose your words carefully. Choose words that lower RPMs instead of raise them up. I heard a pastor recently who, uh, he's a pretty driven guy, and he's a a fairly um, strongly emotional person. And he said there are three words that help him keep his language gentle because it changes his orientation in a conversation. And I've been trying these three words and they've been working well for me, so I want to share them with you. He said three words to help keep his his language gentle are this. Help me understand. Help me understand. Help me understand why your cell phone bill was $400 this month. Help, Help me understand. Honey, help me understand why your clothes are always seven feet away from the dirty clothes bin. Help me understand. You were a college basketball player, and yet, so close, but so far. Help me, under, help me understand. Help. In your business, help me understand why the last three clients we gave you all left the company. Would you help me understand that? Or to a friend, help me understand why you chose to to post that on Facebook about me. Help me understand. See, what happens if we can actually genuinely use those words and mean them without condescension, what happens is it puts us in a place of learning and a place of humility. And anytime we are are learning and humble, it keeps us out of that bunker throwing hand grenades. It keeps us in a posture of listening. Help me understand. For some of us, if we don't hear anything else today, those three words could change the way we engage in some fairly tense conversations. I want to take a second before I move past this to talk to you. If you've ever, let's say this, if you've got an orientation, not towards every once in a while saying a harsh word, 
But if when you get into tense situations, it feels like a sleeping dragon is waking up inside of you. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's like there's a monster inside of you, and when you get into a harsh conversation, it just starts to build, and you, you can feel it waking up inside of you, and then it comes out. If you've ever been in a fight with your spouse, your kids, a friend, and it feels like an out-of-body experience, you walk away from it, and you think, well, I, I could see that person there, and that was me, and I, I know the words that were said, but it didn't feel like I had control over that. And if that's your orientation to lose it, I just want to beg you, get some help. Get some help. I'm not talking about having harsh words or, you know, raising your voice once or twice. But some of us know exactly what I'm talking about. And that's my story. And by the way, I want, to, I want to share something with you and be as transparent as I can. And I've gotten permission from my wife to share this. By the way, my wife Maria and I are celebrating our nine-year anniversary this Wednesday, which is very exciting for us. Yeah. This is why I love being part of a young church, because for a lot of you guys, you're like, nine years? Oh my gosh, that's like forever. Um, We're nine years in, and our marriage is better than it's ever been. So everything I'm going to share is from the context of God doing some great stuff. Uh, I had someone say to me a couple weeks ago, I can't believe you share uh, so much, (laughs) you know, like, wow. Um, And I told him, you know what, two things. One, I don't get easily embarrassed. And two, I, I share because that's real. Because this is where we live. We're not playing church at New Life. We want to we grow with God. We want to be transformed. And I'm going to share a secret with you right now. Uh, before I was a pastor, I was a man. Did you know that? Like, I actually have a car out in the parking lot. I don't float home on a cloud. I don't know if you know this or not. But that's the truth. So nine years ago, Maria and I got married. And all of a sudden, this rage opened up inside of me, and I had never experienced it before. We would get into disagreements because that's what happens when two people get married and move in together and are learning life together. You get into disagreements. But as we get into disagreements, I would just feel this thing waking up, and I would explode onto her. I would scream, and I would rage. And I remember in our first year, year and a half of marriage, looking at my wife, who I love more than anyone in the world, and she was crumbled down against the wall bawling and scared. And it broke my heart. And it terrified me. And it terrified her. And then we found out we were pregnant. And I immediately knew something has to change. I had tried for a long time to just stop yelling. But Jesus says you can't just stop if there's something going on in here. And so I immediately started going to counseling. I found a good Christian counselor, and I said, please help me figure out what's going on in my heart that's causing this rage. And friends, it saved my marriage. It saved my marriage. Yeah, thank you. And again, I don't say that to make anybody feel uncomfortable. I say it because it's true. And I, as I was praying about today, I just feel like there's, in a room this size, there are some women and some men here, and you resonate with what I'm saying, and you felt it before, and you know that sleeping monster, you know that dragon, and you don't know what to do with it. And I want to encourage you, get some help. Get some help. God can transform you. God used his Holy Spirit and a Christian counselor 
to save my marriage. And nine years later, it's better than it's ever been. And I believe he saved my calling as a pastor in the process of it. You do not have to live here anymore. And some of you right now are looking down because you don't want to look at your spouse and you're just praying that your spouse would hear it. And some of you are sitting there and you're looking down because you know that's you. And if that's you, don't look down. Look up. Look up. God can transform you. You don't have to live there anymore. A little bit later, I'm going to share some next steps for us. And one of them is, if that's you, uh, we have a, a Christian counseling intern in our church who's going to start doing some, some counseling in the church. Uh, and if you mark down on your card, I'd like more information about a Christian counselor, that information will come straight to me, your email address, and I will send you personal information about counseling. And no one else, you know, our, our prayer team's not going to see it. It's not going to go out to the staff. I won't be posting a list on Facebook. Just me and you, and I'll get you information because I want you to get help. One of the best things you can do is to humble yourself and get some help. Gentle speech is a defining marker of a woman or a man who has fully surrendered our life to God. It's a defining marker. In fact, the Apostle Paul in Galatians says that when God's Spirit is living in us, we have an increase in certain characteristics. Notice what he says in Galatians 5.22. The fruit of God's Spirit living in us is an 